Episode 147, Seven Secrets for Having and Keeping a Great Attitude. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I am your host, Dale Dixon, alongside Jason Jennings. Great to see you, Jason. Uh, Dale, it's great to be back with you. So in line with the theme for today's podcast, I've got to ask, how are you doing? I, I'm, I'm doing well, and uh, so I decided to dress up a little bit today, and uh, and let me tell you why I decided to do it. Do you recall a couple of weeks ago, we were recounting our time in television mm-hmm. on, on how you'd be in this very formal news set, and you would have a shirt and tie and a jacket on, but you might have uh, shorts on as, as shorts well. Shorts and flip-flops, the, yeah. Shorts and flip-flops in the sweltering summer months, and uh, uh, and then, of course, that all went away when they had you moving and walking around all the news sets and stuff. Uh, uh, so I just decided today I was going to put a shirt and tie on uh, for this podcast, and you have no idea if I'm wearing dress slacks or jeans or shorts and flip-flops, okay. and we'll just keep that a mystery. There you go. We but, all need you know, a little mystery in our lives. Well, that's right, and I wanted to look good for such an important podcast. Oh, thank you. And this, I'm, I'm really, I'm excited about this one um, because I try to I try to grow this in me, this idea of a great attitude, try to grow it in me. And I love your infamous line that um, I'm not going to tell somebody I'm having a bad day because, number one, half wouldn't care and the other half would be happy. Right. <laughs> so when we talk about a great mental attitude and how do we grow it in ourselves, uh, I have a feeling you've got a few stories to start us out. I do have a few stories uh, to start you out with, and I was actually, I wasn't sure because of your schedule and my schedule uh, what I really wanted to do on this podcast today, and then all of a sudden, a couple of days ago, it, it, it occurred to me that in the last couple of weeks, I have encountered some incredible, great attitudes from people who you wouldn't expect to have an incredible or great attitude. And I've really been spending some time trying to figure out what the shared characteristics are between these three very different people. So let me introduce you. And these are all very real people, and they're also all real names. So let me introduce you to my little cast of characters today. Uh, the first one is Bob. Uh, Bob is a, a man's man. He, he's a great guy. He's about 72 or 73. He's the CEO of a construction company, uh, served in the U.S. military. And at 72 or 73, he's in great shape. And he's in the gym six days a week. Uh, every single day, he never misses. Now, there's something unusual about the gym. I, in fact, I jotted the names down. So in our little locker area, our, our club has about 5,000 members. And any time, there's probably 100 people in the locker room. Uh, but in our little locker area, there's Bob, there's Jason, there's Doug, there's Greg, there's Walter, uh, there's Doug, and there's Dave. And we all kind of watch out for one another. So if one of us goes missing for a couple of days, somebody says, you know, where's Jason? Well, he must be traveling again. All of a sudden, we, we noticed that Bob was missing. And there was only one problem. Nobody knew Bob's last name. In, in spite of having worked out alongside him for years and we trade stories, nobody knew his last name. So fine, and the gym wouldn't release the information. So we finally figured out what we thought his last name was. Nobody could track him down, and I finally tracked him down. So he's the first character in the story. Uh, the second character in the story is Fred. I, we just had dinner with Fred and his wife 
two nights ago. Fred is 91. He's going to be 92. Still loves to have a cocktail. Uh, still drives a car. Still is extraordinarily robust. And um, But at 92, knowing his time is running out, uh, he still maintains just this incredible attitude. And then the third one is this. Have, have you ever met anybody, Dale, uh, irrespective of, 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 of what they do or who they are, they just seem to light up a room. Have you ever bumped anybody like that? Oh, yes. And I love okay. it when it happens. All right. So about a year ago, I stopped to get gas uh, at, at a gas station. And I walked in, and the guy behind the counter said, Hi, I've seen you here a couple of times. I've never introduced myself. I'm Jose. And he reached his hand out, and he has this big, meaty hand, and he gave me like the neatest, strongest handshake you've ever had. He's got this smile on his face. And so over the past year, I've gotten to know Jose. Uh, in fact, I've gotten to know him so well that occasionally when I'm coming from the gym, even if I don't need gas or don't need to buy anything, I will just stop at the gas station to walk in and say hello and shake his hand. I like him so much. And he is 23 years old. But let me tell you about him. He works 90 hours a week. 90 hours a week. There is never a day off ever. There's never a vacation day. This is seven days a week, 90 plus hours a week. Uh, his jobs include eight hours a day, uh, changing and uh, aligning big tires for a big tire store. And then when he leaves there after eight hours, he goes to the gas station where he puts in an eight hour shift and closes up. I mean, pumping gas, working as a cashier. And then on the weekends when he's not working at the tire place, uh, because he works there five days a week, he does two eight hour shifts on Saturday at two different gas stations. And he does the same thing on Sunday. And you go, now, how in the world can a person like this just exude this most incredible attitude? So now let me give you the backstory. So Bob went missing. I finally tracked down Bob. I got Bob on the telephone. And I said, Bob, uh, where, where have you been? We're all worried about you. I was even reading the obituaries, for God's sake. I mean, are you okay? And he said, no, I'm really not okay. He said, uh, I went in for an annual checkup, and one of the docs noticed a little thing on my cheek and uh, sent me to a dermatologist the next day, and it was malignant melanoma. And he said the next day I was in an eight-hour surgery, eight-hour surgery, while they were removing this malignant melanoma and everything that had spread. And he said, Jason, it gets worse than that. He said that was an eight-hour surgery. The next day was a five-hour surgery where they tried to reconstruct my face. I mean, which was half of it was almost basically gone. He said, you can't believe the way I look. He said, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to be back in the gym on Monday. He said, I start radiation on Monday. I've got 36 radiation treatments on top of this disfiguring thing that he went through. And Bob, during the radiation treatment, never missed one day in the gym. Never missed one day in the gym. And I said, you're looking better and better all the time. He said, no, I'm not. He said, I look awful. He said, but I hide it with my wife's makeup. He said, you know, doesn't bother me to do a little bit of that. And just radiates this incredible great attitude. And radiation just knocks the stuff out of most people and leaves them listless. He was there every... And he said, you know, I'm not lifting the weights that I normally lift. He said, but I'm here every single day. And I mean, this guy was working out every single day. Now he's through the 36 radiation treatments. He's still in the gym every day. Greatest attitude in the world. And he worked every day throughout these 36 intense radiation treatments as well. So that's, so that's Bob and his great attitude. Then there's Fred. I mean, going to be 92 years of age. During dinner with him, we came home with Fred and Dolores, 
And we said, you know, it was like we were out with two 25-year-olds or a couple in their mid-30s. They are the most curious people. They're engaged. And, and, and they just, they want to know, well, well, tell us what you've done to the house or, or tell us what you did to your yard. Or, I mean, tell us about this. And, and they were former neighbors of ours, but they've been gone for about 15 years, but they still have every detail firmly locked down and they're inquisitive and they smile and they laugh and they giggle. They just celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. They know time is running out. They talk about the fact that time is running out and they just have these, I mean, they're not sour pusses. I mean, they're just completely engaged. And then my favorite story of Jose working 90 plus hours a week. So Jose was born in the United States. And I said, tell me your story. And he said, well, my parents came from Guatemala. And he said, let me tell you something. I consider myself the luckiest person alive to have been born in the United States, all the freedom and opportunity I have. And I said, well, why are you working three jobs? He said, I'm 23. He said, at 25, I'm buying my first house. At 28, I'm buying my second house. At 30, I'm buying my third house. It may be an apartment building. And at 35, I am going to be a millionaire. He said, why could you? Why would it bother you to work a few extra hours when you're 23 and young and healthy in order to achieve that goal? And this guy has this infectious, contagious smile on his face. As I mentioned, this meaty, strong handshake. I mean, it makes, as I told you, it makes me stop from the gym to my house to go in just to get a little dose of Jose and engage with him. Just a handsome, good-looking, strong guy, very, very bright and very determined. So I started asking myself the question, what are the similarities that, that, that Fred and Bob and Jose have in common? And I think there's six of them or seven of them. And the more I think about them, I think this might be the prescription for for having a positive attitude all the time. So the first one is this. Bob is very, very grateful they caught the melanoma and he's going to be okay. And he is truly grateful for the doctors. Fred is grateful for a life well-lived as the CFO of a huge company and the lifelong learning and the elder treks he's been on. And they still read and engage and go to symphonies and go to movies and, and go to ballets. I mean, they're going all the time. They are grateful for their life well-lived and, and what they have left. And then there's Jose. He is grateful for the opportunity, I mean, to gain his financial independence. And when I ask them, they all talk about the fact that they remind themselves to be grateful every single day. The second thing that they share in common is I think they've moved from being a victim to being a creator. Uh, I remember Bob said, he said, and the moment they found the melanoma, he said, Here's what I told them to do. He said, as soon as we finish this surgery, he said, you're sending me in for another I, uh, MRI, another scan. And he said, we're going to look for any cancer anyplace else because it's not going to get me. And if there's any anyplace else, we're just going to go in and we are going to get it. I am going to be in charge. Uh, in the case of, uh, of Fred and Dolores, they, they talk about the fact that they understand that, how lucky they are to still be responsible for their lives. In the case of Jose, Jose's got this plan. First house, 25. Second house, 28. Third house, 30. Millionaire by 35. So none of these people 
allow themselves to spend any time going, woe is me, I've got cancer, woe is me, I have to work so long, woe is me, I'm getting old and I'm going to have a bitter attitude about everybody. They've never been victims. I mean, they're always creators. Number three, and this is one that they all share in common. And I don't think I've ever heard anybody else talk about this when they're talking about having a positive attitude. When Fred and Dolores walked into dinner at a restaurant that happens to be named Jason's in Marin County, California, I took a look at them and I thought, wow, they just looked fantastic. Dolores looked great and had a beautiful dress on and a beautiful strand of pearls. Fred had a beautiful shirt, immaculate slacks and shoes, and the belt uh, matched the shoes. And I remember thinking, they just have so much pride in their appearance. And then I thought about Bob using his wife's makeup to cover up his disfigurement. I mean, so it wouldn't be that noticeable to people in the gym. And even if it was, that was okay. To him, he was doing something. And then I thought about Jose. Here's this guy working 16 hours a day. And his breath, his fresh, his nails are trimmed. There's no crud. He changes tires eight hours a day. There's no crud under his fingernails. He's always got on a great shirt, a great pair of slacks, and looks like a million bucks. You know what? I think maybe there's a direct connection between having pride in yourself and the way you look and having a good attitude. I guess if you're dressed slovenly and your pants are hanging down from your butt to your knees, and I mean, you got some tattered old shirt on uh, and, you know, day old socks, I, I guess it might just be easier to have a bad attitude. But if you have enough pride to, uh, Dress yourself up and make yourself look good. Uh, and just to add to that, my, my grandmother, who was one of the most central figures in my life, when she passed away late in her 90s, she was only in a nursing home for two weeks of her life. She was on her own until then. And so I went to the nursing home, and here she is in her mid-90s. She's unhappy to be there. And I said, let's walk around the nursing home tonight and see some of your friends, because a lot of her friends were there. She said, that sounds like a good idea. She said, but first, I've, I've got to put lipstick on and powder. And so here she is in her mid-90s. 90s, still concerned about how she looks. So one of the things, if you're going to have a great attitude, have pride in your appearance. Number four, all of these people focus on the good. They all focus on the outcome. They don't focus on the negatives. Bob never said, woe was me, how come I got this melanoma? Jose has never said, oh, woe is me, I'm so tired, I have to work 90 hours a day. Fred and Dolores have never said, oh my God, we're going to be 92, time is running out, and we feel sorry for ourselves. So they focus on the good. Now, number five, we come back to, without question, you got to have a purpose. And I guess we, I guess we invoke purpose every single week. As Bob told me, he said, you know, I'm 72, 73, still head, head of my construction company. He said, I'm having too much fun to let cancer get me. He said, I'm just having too much fun building buildings, building bridges, contributing to infrastructure. He said, it's more fun than a barrel of monkeys. He said, that is my purpose. That's my reason for living. And I will never stop doing it. Jose's got the purpose, financial independence. And in a, in a very s similar way, Fred and Dolores, have this purpose of enriching themselves and learning as much and being as curious as they possibly can be uh, until their time is ended. Number six, did you ever read uh, Who Moved My Cheese, Dale? You must have. Absolutely. 
Yeah. How many? By the way, how many hundreds of business and leadership books have you read? More than me, probably. I've, I doubt that, but I've lost count. Well, remember what happened. So there's two mice in a maze. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And two little tiny people in the maze. All right. So what did the mice do when they found out the cheese wasn't where it was supposed to be? They started figure, trying to figure out where the cheese was going to be. And what did the two little tiny people do? They started fighting with each other, blaming each other, arguing with one another. And that's how they spent their time. They didn't spend their time looking for the cheese. And so number six is stop feeling entitled. Stop demanding or expecting things. Stop expecting things to be easy because it ain't going to be easy. It's not easy for you. It's not easy for me. It ain't easy for anybody. It just isn't. But stop expecting somebody else to solve your problem. Uh, So stop feeling entitled. And then number seven, what all of these people share in common to maintain their great attitude is they focus, fascinating, on the solution instead of the problem. Bob doesn't talk about the problem. Bob was focused on the solution. Jose doesn't talk about the challenges of working 90-plus hours a week. He's focused on the solution. Fred is not focused on, on, on just imagine the problems that have crossed his path over the years. He's always focused on the solution. So I don't know if you want to do another rundown on that list, but uh, I, I'm, I'm sure if we kept digging, we would find more and more and more. But those are three people who I consider friends, who have had a profound impact on my life, and just in recent weeks, it's been fun to observe um, this exemplary, great attitude in spite of whatever is going on in their lives. So so they've really been an inspiration to me. Mm. I've got to throw a fourth name into the mix because I just met Khalid last week. Uh, Khalid was a Lyft driver. I spent 30 minutes in the car with Khalid. He's here because the government of his home country threatened to kill his eight-month-old baby in front of him and his wife. So he's here seeking political amnesty, and the guy was grateful to be here. He was not a victim, any stretch of the imagination. He couldn't work because he did not have a green card. He's here on a visa, and he's waiting for his interview to determine the amnesty status. But he was... um, finding a way to make his situation better. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking through your list. He was, he was grateful. He said, when we finished the conversation, he was so happy. He had this big smile on his face and he said, you know what? I get to wake up every morning knowing my wife and my child are safe. Yep. And I just thought, wow. Um, it was so, you know, I get to uh, goosebumps just thinking about it, about my conversation, but he was definitely in creator mode, number two to your list. Uh, he had pride in his appearance, looked nice, car was in good shape. He was focused 100% on the good. It was the fact that he was here, that he had found a way by driving to provide for his family, and he was playing soccer and, and having a good time. He definitely had a purpose. His purpose was to become a citizen of the United States. He had it all mapped out. He knew this nearly 10-year window that it was going to take to yes. get where he was going. Um, he did not feel entitled at all. I mean, he was in it to work hard and to earn everything he was going to get and completely focused on a solution. So there's the list. There's another name to throw into the mix that we find I love it. these people around us all the time. It was so inspiring. And you, and you know what? When, when you make yourself 
open and available uh, to people and their stories, and you just keep your eyes open and you stay present as you move through life, you're going to find people like this all the time. And and what it's going to do is it's just, it. I mean, it's it's infectious. It's contagious. Their great attitude becomes your great attitude. Your great attitude because becomes somebody else's great attitude. And uh, so, uh, yeah, um, make yourself open and available to being inspired by people with great attitudes. Study what they do. But I think that these are, are seven of the big ones they share in common. Absolutely. Any final words for us? Yeah, the, the, there is. Thank you for asking. Um, so you're, uh, you're maybe too young to remember, uh, but you're always so aware of everything that you may be uh, familiar with this person. Do you remember a guy named Earl Nightingale? Oh, yes. Okay, nobody else in the audience uh, would probably know Earl Nightingale. But when I was a boy, uh, he, he was a motivator, uh, a motivational speaker. I don't know if there was any content there, but his sole job was to motivate you. And uh, when I was a young kid growing up, there was even an Earl Nightingale motivational minute on the local radio station that came on right before the 12 noon news. So someplace along the line, maybe 25 or 30 years ago, I hadn't thought about him for years and years and years. So at the end of the uh, cassette era, uh, I actually bought this set of cassettes from Earl Nightingale. And uh, I wasn't sure what to do with them. While we were going on vacation in Palm Springs, I brought along a cassette recorder. I managed to find one someplace. I I think I bought one at Radio Shack, the, the one of the last cassette machines and each day laying that and the last radio shack (laughs) and uh and each day i would lay by the pool and i would listen to one of these and he said something that has become a mantra in our house and it's repeated every single day every single day i mean we look in the mirror and we say this and i bet these words get tossed around our house 10 times a week other than the fact that we say them every morning and that is this As I go through this day, let me remember this. A bad attitude will get a bad result. Mm. A good attitude will get a good result. And a great attitude will get a great result. So in in all of our coming and going uh, after, uh, after viewing or listening to this, remember, bad attitude, bad result. Good attitude, good result. Great attitude, great result. Well, and after this conversation, I don't think we can help but to have a great attitude. So thank you very much for that, Jason. With that, I'm going to sign you off the uh, the video portion of the podcast. We're going to do a little bit of, of housekeeping here. Thank you so much for inspiring us on this day to get a great attitude with those six steps. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. So this is the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. What we'd ask you to do is to, number one, subscribe to this podcast so that you get the new episode each and every week. Super easy to do. All you have to do is go to uh, jason-jennings.com slash iTunes, and you can subscribe there while you are there. If you would rate and review the podcast, we would be most grateful. That helps push the podcast up in search results so that more people can find it. And with that, thank you so much. I hope you have a great attitude in the coming week. This is The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. 
You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.